You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Ladies and gentlemen, your attention please. Now batting for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, Fan Rock Fantasy Baseball, the host, Al Melchior, Fan Rock Fantasy Baseball. Welcome, everybody. It's that time, that time of the week where I say happy Monday. Yes, happy Monday. Happy lineup lock, which uh, is happening and coming down on us uh, any moment now, any second now with the two, uh, well, just a little bit after two o'clock Eastern game uh, actually uh, happening in the central time zone. So let's be nice to them. Uh, Game a little after one o'clock between the White Sox and the Cubs coming up. So uh, if you need to... uh, Set those lineups last minute. Well, wait until the break. We'll get there soon. Don't worry. We got lots of important stuff to get to. Got a special guest today, Nathan Dockin, uh, who does some great work with uh, Fantistics and Fantrax, and he's the host of the Nasty Cast, which I have been uh, honored to be a guest on. So uh, he's returning the favor, coming on the show here. Uh, got some good stuff. A lot of closer talk with Nathan today, but uh, lots of big news. Uh, pit big pitcher news Clayton Kershaw and Stephen Strasburg I'm sure you're well aware by now but let's get into it uh Clayton Kershaw going to go on the DL with a uh back issue that caused him to leave after two innings on Sunday now uh, as reported by JP Hoonstra of the Southern California News Group uh Dave Roberts the Dodgers manager said he was optimistic that Kershaw's injury was unrelated to the herniated disc that uh, caused Kershaw to miss a couple of months last season. So I think it's a a muscular issue. Uh, So that's relatively good news, but uh, also I think not especially definitive. So unfortunately, we just got to kind of wait on pins and needles with this uh, Clayton Kershaw injury situation and understand that uh, you're not going to have them, I would think, for uh, at least a couple of weeks. Uh, in fact, I'll dig it up because I'm pretty sure, in fact, here it is. Uh, it's going to be more than a couple of weeks expected to miss four to six weeks. Uh, so, you know, not quite as bad as last year, but certainly going to put a damper uh, on your stretch run plans. And that report, by the way, came from Ken Rosenthal. So uh, not really overall very good news for Clayton Kershaw. Uh, Steven Strasburg also only made it two innings yesterday. He experienced some stiffness in his arm. This sounds, initially anyway, less serious uh, and meaning less time off than we have for Kershaw. But um, I've not seen anything you know, following up on, on this particular uh, story here with Strasburg. But uh, he did claim that the All-Star break messed up his, uh, his typical preparation routine and uh, conditioning. And he had been feeling it lately and was concerned. So it's it's being termed as a precautionary measure that Strasburg was lifted. But uh, you don't really want to mess, mess around with anything like that. And, of course, Rafael Devers being called up by the Red Sox. Uh, he'll be the regular third baseman going forward, at least for the, the near future. So those are the big items. We've got a lot more to get to. So uh, as we head into our first grade, go uh, check those lineups one more time. we got first pitch coming up in just moments. We will be right back.
Ezekiel Elliott, Carl Anthony Towns, Corey Seager. Those are the rookies of the year, much like the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. The fastest growing fantasy sports network on radio is completely free, 24-7. Listen to us live at FNTSY.com slash radio or download the app right now in the Google Play Store or on iTunes. Welcome back, everybody. You are listening to FanRag Fantasy Baseball, where uh, I have all of your latest fantasy baseball information. I'm Alan Melchior. I just don't always know what time it is. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that Cubs-White Sox game started a little less than an hour ago. Uh, so got my time zones confused. Anyway, so hope you set good lineups this week. Uh, anyhow, uh, there is lots to get to. Let me uh, go. just get back uh, because it came up on the break sort of quickly there. Uh, so I mentioned very, very offhandedly that Rafael Devers uh, is called up uh, by the Red Sox. He is not going to debut, however, until Tuesday. Uh, but, you know, still, uh, if you have a chance to, to get him in your lineup, you've got one of those rolling lineups. Uh, that's worth, worth the shot. Worth the shot this week. Um, I'd say more for deeper leagues because, uh, generally speaking, uh, with, with prospects, especially one who's come up through the ranks pretty quickly, you never know how they might adjust initially uh, to the majors. But Devers has certainly put up really nice numbers this season, most recently AAA Pawtucket. So uh, that's, a, that's a big development. And the other reason I would pump the brakes on you know, investing a lot in getting Rafael Devers is because I don't. I wouldn't completely rule out the Red Sox making a move here. If this is a situation sort of like Yoan Moncada last year, now granted he was brought up in September, but uh, you know where he struggles initially, I, I could see them going back out on the trade market and uh, finding another solution. And the, the Red Sox could even do that in August potentially. So good numbers in the minor leagues, very good prospect, but uh, you know still some question marks with Devers. Uh, in other news, Johnny Cueto has been playing Easy Catch. Uh, that from Henry Schulman of the San Francisco Chronicle. Those are his words from Twitter. Uh, so he is progressing along, uh, coming, uh, you know, hopefully back uh, in the near future. But we have no, uh, you know, no specific time of arrival for Johnny Cueto. And Mark Melanson threw a bullpen session on Sunday. And he could be back within a couple of weeks. And that report from uh, Andrew Baggerly. So, um, you know, no specific timetable there, but a little, you know, a little bit more of a firm idea of when we can see Melanson. Uh, the Cubs have obviously activated Kyle Hendricks because uh, that game is underway. So uh, he has been uh, pitching. He's been, you know, out for quite a while with the hand tendonitis. Uh, Kyle Hendricks. So uh, back uh, at last in the Cubs rotation could uh, should actually get two starts this week uh, for Hendricks. So uh, just looking in real quick, uh, that is one nothing right now. Cubs over the White Sox in the bottom of the third. Got Miguel Gonzalez going up uh, against the Cubs for the Pale Hose. That's uh, one of my more favorite alternate team names or nicknames, the Pale Hose. 
And also in uh, White Sox news, Melky Cabrera, he left Sunday's game, the series finale at Kansas City, with a bruised foot. Uh, but he uh, was back in the starting lineup for the White Sox today against the Cubs. And uh, just uh, checking in here uh, so far, and again, the game is a one nothing Cubs, but uh, Melky Cabrera leading off, and he's already 0 for 2 with a couple of strikeouts in this game. So uh, going so well for, uh, for Hendricks so far. Just one hit, or no, I take that back. He's given up four hits, but one is to Yohan Yohan Mankata, so that uh, helps him out a lot because he's uh, he's had a bit of a rough start uh, coming up for for the White Sox, but also getting a little bit of a longer look than he did last year for the Red Sox. So just bring that story full circle. So let's get right to some of the standout performances from Sunday. This is a bit of an overlap because uh, I did the show while a lot of the Sunday games were in progress yesterday. Of course, it's a two-hour show now here on Fantasy Sports Radio Network uh, on Sundays. So I was able to check in, and I I probably checked in more on Lance McCullers' start yesterday than on any other pitcher because I thought it was really a litmus test for him. He had been struggling with control. He was facing a team that was the third worst in terms of laying off pitches that are outside of the strike zone. And uh, we'll get to him because it was... Definitely, if you were looking for a sign about whether or not it's time to sit Lance McCullers, you got a pretty strong signal yesterday. But before we talk about him, uh, just have to check in on Corey Kluber's great performance against the Blue Jays, because if I'm going to make this a segment about standout performances, nobody stood out more than Corey Kluber getting 14 strikeouts over seven innings, just one run allowed on five hits and two walks. And since he came back uh, off the DL, uh, if you recall, missed a few weeks with a lower back strain, he's made 10 starts since then, 152 ERA, he's pitched 71 innings. So first of all, let that, that one sink in, 10 starts, he's averaging more than 7 innings a start with a 152 ERA. Now how about, what are the ratios over that over those 71 innings? 108 strikeouts. Wow. Only 13 walks and only four home runs. So what a dominant run by Corey Kluber since he's come back. Uh, and remember, before he went on the DL, he was struggling a bit. So uh, if there's any lesson there, if there's a player who's been struggling and has gone on the DL uh, and they've got a very, very extended track record, uh, it's it's never a guarantee that they're going to come back 100%. It's never a guarantee that the the struggles they have are injury-related, but it sure does make sense a lot of the time to uh, to take a flyer on them. So uh, let's take that lesson from Corey Kluber, uh, buy-low situation earlier in the season. So maybe we have a buy-low situation now with Lance Colors because he was truly dominant for uh, the first couple of months, really more than that this season. But he's in a real rut right now. And this latest one against the Orioles on Sunday went four and two-thirds innings, allowing six runs on nine hits and two walks with just three strikeouts. That's a little disappointing. I mean, he didn't stick around a real long time to build up strikeouts. But four and two-thirds, you figure McCullers should give you about five. Against a team like the Orioles, that is one of the least selective teams in the majors. Now... Go, uh, after this this game against the Orioles, coming out of Sunday's action, the Orioles still have the third highest swing rate on pitches out of the strike zone, 
Want to hazard a guess as to what it was against McCullers? All right. Gave you a second there to think of a number. If that number you came up with was 24%. You are correct. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's a huge difference. That is a huge difference. So, And that's been a pattern now for McCullers, where he's had a, actually three starts in a row with very low swing rates on pitches uh, out of the strike zone from his opponents. And while it's three in a row, I mean, it's he's had a few starts here and there where it's been better. But the trend going back uh, six or seven starts, there's been a lot of that. There's been a lot of not fooling uh, hitters with pitches that are out of the zone. And generally, he's not been working much in the zone. That's a really, really bad combination. So I think it's time to give Lance McCullers a seat. Uh, I know uh, towards the very end of Sunday's show, I gave myself a dilemma to try to figure out what would I do this week. Uh, start Lance McCullers. I believe he's got the Tigers, but let me double check that. Uh, yes, in Detroit. So you take Lance McCullers at Detroit, or do you take, say, a two-start Yulisha Seen, who's got the Mets and the Pirates at home? And I kind of waffled on it. <laughs> we were running out of time. I had uh, sort of... Uh, I guess I sort of panicked. I didn't really uh, give a good answer. But after the show, I thought about it and took a closer look at, at uh, McCullers' numbers. And to me, it's clear I actually would go with Shasin this week. I don't feel like I can trust McCullers uh, in a league where I have much of a choice in terms of options. And uh, I would think a two-start Shasin with home starts would be a much better option. So that's kind of where things are at right now with, uh, with Lance McCullers. And how about Robbie Ray? Not a very good start for him either, although, to be completely fair, he had a much tougher matchup. He had the Nationals, and, and the Nationals are certainly not at full strength offensively. But they're still a pretty pretty tough matchup, especially against lefties. And Ray only made it five innings. Again, that's not a huge surprise uh, for Robbie Ray. But he gave up five runs over those five innings on six hits. Uh, four of those runs were earned, by the way. Uh, still not great, though. So on six hits, two walks, four strikeouts. And so now over his last six starts, Robbie Ray has a 441 ERA with 22 walks and eight home runs. I'll repeat that, 22 walks and eight home runs over 34 and two-thirds innings. Those are scary, scary ratios. But what makes Robbie Ray viable still at this point is over those very same 34 and two-thirds innings, he has struck out 42 batters. So he's got the Corey Kluber strikeout rate with uh, some pretty scary walk and home run ratios. So that's, uh, you know, he continues to be a dilemma. And uh, I feel like I've said this, I've had guests on who have said this over the past few weeks. You can't count on him for a low ERA, but the strikeouts are enough to, uh, most weeks, keep him in there. Anyway, we're going to start off this week with a special guest, Nathan Dockin. He's going to be on right with, uh, right with me after this break. So stick around. I'll be right back with Nathan. Crazy. Ezekiel Elliott. Carl Anthony Towns. Corey Seager. Those are the rookies of the year, much like the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. 
The fastest growing fantasy sports network on radio is completely free 24-7. Listen to us live at FNTSY.com slash radio or download the app right now in the Google Play Store or on iTunes. Welcome back. You are listening to FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm your host, Al Melchior. And joining me for this segment, very, very pleased to have on uh, this show, Nathan Dockin. And uh, you can find his work at Fantistics, at Fantrax, and, uh, of course, uh, on the Nasty Cast. And, uh, Nathan, really glad to have you on the show. Welcome. Hey, thank you so much for having me on. It's good to talk to you again. Yeah, yeah, likewise. Yeah, I mentioned earlier on the show that uh, you, uh, you were uh, nice enough to have me on the Nasty Cast uh, earlier in the season. So, uh, yeah, glad to uh, have you have you on my home turf here. <laughs> great, great to have you. And uh, we're working on making fantasy baseball a thing on the uh, Western I ninety four corridor, right? Because uh, talking to you from uh, Bismarck, <laughs> North Dakota, right? Absolutely. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna make the Upper Midwest a hotbed for fantasy baseball. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to do our best here uh, today in this, this segment. And um, as I mentioned, Nathan, so people can find your work on Fantistics. And uh, I think it's, this is your most recent piece on there, uh, your AL player analysis piece. And uh, check this out. And I was really glad to see you let off writing about Parker Bridwell because he was somebody I, I've been wanting to talk about. I don't know that I have it in any sort of detail before. And I had a real dilemma for my own column this weekend uh, i write the sunday streamers piece for uh fan rag sports and i i nearly included bridwell as as a guy to stream in for era on sunday and i thought you know he gives up so many home runs even at angel stadium uh the red sox are a team that don't really generate much power via the fly ball and you know but i just thought yeah i'm not sure i can trust this guy anywhere so what does he do <laughs> goes out and he uh, you know pitches uh, pretty much of a gem. Uh, you know, seven innings, just two runs uh, allowed against the Red Sox. So, um, so I'm, gl- I'm glad to have the opportunity to talk about Parker Bridwell with you. So, uh, maybe if you could just you know in a nutshell um, summarize what you know what was your take on him in your piece for uh, Fantastics. Well, I, uh, I had to put a little bit of a wet blanket on his future uh, successes, potential successes. Um, you know, I he was not really on my streaming radar coming into this game. I tend to discount guys that just don't strike out a lot of batters, and a 5.79K per nine just uh, doesn't really do it for me too much, even though he has had a lot of success this season. But uh, you look at his strand rate, 91%. It's uh you know, a good 20% just about above uh, league average. And that's going to tumble way down uh, moving forward. And like you said, it gives up just a, a ton of home runs. And coming into the game, he actually had a 39% hard contact rate. And so that was a lot of different things that scared me off. Um, you know, he has been outperforming his fifth, but uh, that's something that, uh, you know, extreme fly ball pitchers tend to do. And it's just uh, a profile that I have never really been a fan of. I prefer the ground ball pitchers and uh you know with, with Bridwell I would be very very cautious moving forward with him I'd probably leave him as a as a streamer in deeper leagues 
Okay. Yeah. And I mean, and, and again, you know, I, I ultimately made the call to not recommend him <laughs> and, you know, so I can either go back and I can, you know, sort of doubt my judgment and, and, you know, replay the result or, you know, kind of trust the process, which is, it sounds like, you know, basically what you did in your piece and say, yeah, okay, it's another start where he's had success, but look at the combination of skills and indicators that, that you just mentioned. But I, I am going to just kind of take pause one more time here with Bridwell because that profile that you described to me sounds not too dissimilar from that of Jason Vargas and Ariel Miranda. And I like both of them as streamers, not just in deep leagues, uh, but if they get, the, especially the two-start league in a homestand with the nice home park, which Bridwell has, uh, and, and it's a fine line, you know, when is when are too many fly when when you know when is a high fly ball rate too many fly balls you know when is a high home run ratio too many home runs even for a place like Angel Stadium so what what separates him from a Jason Vargas or an Ariel Miranda and let me just throw in another name Dylan Bundy who still seems to get a fair amount of love from fantasy owners I think has a lot of those same qualities and doesn't even have a good park or or a good division to pitch in so uh, you know how do you kind of sort those four pitchers out. Yeah, I don't know if there really is that much of a difference between those guys, uh, to be perfectly honest, and that's just not my cup of tea as far as the sort of low-K guys that rely on easy fly ball outs. And it, it is one thing, you know, I, I pretty much leave those guys to uh, deeper leagues. I've never been crazy about Jason Vargas even this year. Um, you know, and, and uh, Dylan Bundy is another guy who his, his name value, I think, um, is still living off of his early success this season, uh, even though he's, uh, his results have been pretty poor. I think he's uh, failed to record a quality start in five of his last seven games. And uh, believe it or not, Parker Bridwell actually has a very similar swinging strike rate to Dylan Bundy. So perhaps their overall strikeout rates would uh, or will even out to be a lot closer than you might think. Um, so, it, you know, the, with uh, the fly ball guys, you, you tend to get a little homer happy with Parker Bridwell, 16.7% home run for fly ball rate. That just uh, is, is not, like I said, not my cup of tea. I'll stream him in, in spacious ballparks, but uh, really that's where my interest ends. I, I like the guys who uh, record more strikeouts, and that keeps their value up even if they you know <laughs> give up a few more runs than they should on a given start. Yeah, no, I mean, it makes sense. It's you know it better to miss a bat entirely than you know to uh, get a guy who, you know, maybe induces a lot of airborne contact and uh, your chances of, of getting fewer hits on balls in play are, are better, but you know, it's still leaving things to chance, <laughs> you know, and plus the ball might not be in play, uh, which has been the case frequently for Parker Bridwell. So uh, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, well, in the same piece uh, for uh, Fantistics, uh, you talked about uh, some closers there. You talked about Tyler Clippard and Jose Leclerc specifically and, and kind of that whole Rangers uh, closer situation. And in uh, Tout Wars this week in the Mixed Auction League was kind of an interesting uh, result in terms of people looking for cheap saves. And that's pretty much the only saves there are at this point because most of us are, are close to running out of money. <laughs> so we had just to give you an idea, it's a $1,000 budget. And here's the amounts uh, that went for some either closers or, or potential closers. Tyler Clippard went for $35. Uh, Anthony Swarzak also went for $35 to the same owner, by the way. So that was a pretty smart handcuff move. Uh, Kyle Bearclaw 
who I bid $6 on. It wasn't enough. He went for 12 I did get Bruce Rondone for $2, and then another owner got Alex Wilson for nothing. <laughs> so, you know, we're, we're kind of scraping here for some saves. But, um, you know, you, so you'd written about Clippard and, uh, and uh, LeClerc, who uh, is already owned in the league. But, uh, where, you know, where would you sort out all these uh, potentially cheap save sources? Uh, is there one that stands out uh, as, as the best value? Uh, well, LeClerc, I, I think I would really discount. Uh, I would cross him off the list right away just because Alex Claudio seems to have a fairly firm grasp on that job in Texas now, uh, which is you know not great for fantasy purposes since you look at his K per nine and it's down in Parker Bridwell territory, 5.71. <laughs> Um, just a 70% ground ball rate, you know, that extreme sinker baller profile, 77% ground ball rate on a sinker, by the way, which is exciting. But, um, yeah, so not a lot of strikeout there. Um, Clippard, it's, I think that he can rebound, uh, but I'm afraid that it might not come until they've already moved away from him in the ninth inning. And that's why I would be really hesitant to be picking him up to, to be spending any kind of fab. Uh, in any of my leagues, and I've basically just been ignoring him. I've actually gone towards Anthony Swarzak, who's been uh, a lot better, only 24% hard contact rate against Anthony Swarzak this year. Um, I, Clippard, his walk rate has really climbed this year. Um, this, you know, it's, it's weird because his zone contact rate is actually down 8% from last year. His swinging strike rate is up 2.5% from last year, uh, but his strikeout rate hasn't really changed that much, and his walks are way up. He's uh, got his lowest zone rate of his career, actually, at 40%. So I wonder if it's actually not something just a little mechanical, and that happens with these guys all the time, and he can turn it around and uh, you know be good at some point. But I'm afraid that they'll have moved on from him in the ninth inning uh, before that happens. And then, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah. go to Detroit. Yeah, Detroit, I'm, that's <laughs> even grosser. I'm not really sure about the real options. <laughs> Yeah, uh, and it's you know it's been that way for a while. Uh, I mean, well, actually, you know, Justin Wilson has done a pretty nice nice job there, but uh, I, I'm assuming he's gone. Uh, he's their probably their most tradable piece at this point. So uh, Rondon went for a couple of bucks. Uh, Alex Wilson for nothing. Uh, which one do you think it is, or, or option C? Yeah, I, my uh, investment would be very minimal here, like yours was. Uh, Bruce Rondon is a guy who has always frightened me <laughs> uh <laughs> granted it's a small sample size this year but 52 percent hard contact rate is very disconcerting and 6.17 walks per nine he was walking over six guys per nine in the minors as well this year that's always been his bugaboo and he's got hit hard pretty pretty consistently as well so i out of the bunch i think i would prefer alex wilson even though his numbers aren't exactly astounding either um, and I'd probably just as soon have Shane Green as well as Ron Doan, to be perfectly honest. Green has a 5.04 walks per nine. That's not better than Ron Doan's. And honestly, uh, 45% hard contact rate as well is also startling. But 49% ground ball, so that's something. Like I said, I, all of these options definitely have warts. Um, out of all of them, I would probably go with Alex Wilson just because he seems the least likely to destroy my ratios. Yeah. And I actually think that's that's really fair. I would you know I would like to believe in a way that it's it's going to be Alex Wilson, but Rondon's been getting the eighth inning lately in those hold situations. So uh, yeah. you know it's it's really just kind of hoping okay he gets the opportunity and and please just you know pull it together <laughs> so that you don't ruin my ratios. Yeah. 
But uh, yeah, yeah we shall see. It's on his side. Yeah. Well, uh, Nathan, we're just about out of time here, but I really appreciate you taking the time and, and dropping in uh, on us today. So uh, best of luck to you this week, and uh, I'll look for uh, your, your future pieces online. Hey, thanks a lot, Al. All right, and everybody else, check out the Nasty Cast. It's fantastic. So uh, anyways, we will be right back after this very short break. Stick around. Hey everybody, it's me, Joe Pizzapia, best-selling author of the Fantasy Black Book series, and right now you can get the 2017 Fantasy Football Black Book on Amazon as we speak. What are you waiting for? You can get it for ebook, for your Kindle, or for paperback. And it's not just me this year. No, I brought in some friends. I got Jake Seeley. I got Sammy Reed. I got Gary Davenport. I got championships, and they're waiting for you. Find out why the Fantasy Black Book is number one best-selling in fantasy sports for the tenth straight time. You know why? Because once you go Black Book, you never go back. Welcome back, everybody. You are listening to FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm your host, Al Melchior. And thanks once again to Nathan Dockin for joining me for that uh, last segment. So everything you ever wanted to know about Parker Bridwell. Uh, <laughs> hopefully, uh, probably not everything, but uh, you know, we certainly had, a, I think, good discussion on somebody who's uh, caused me a little bit of angst from an analysis perspective. Uh, well, let's uh, check back in. With the Cubs and the White Sox, hey, it's still one nothing Cubs. That was easy. All right. Uh, also, uh, another update, and this one will be quick and easy. The White, or the sorry, the Red Sox. Got to change my socks here. Red Sox have officially promoted Rafael Devers, but again, uh, he will not debut until tomorrow against the Mariners. And uh, as far as weather goes. Looks pretty good for uh, most of the night slate. Got, uh, I believe it's a dozen games tonight. So uh, that's a lot of games where you shouldn't have to worry too much about uh, delays or cancellations or anything, except for the Astros at the Phillies. That's a 7.05 Eastern start in Philadelphia at Citizens Bank Park. And again, uh, as it is always, our weather info is directly from Roto Grinders and their chief meteorologist, Kevin Roth. And so according to uh, their page there, it's a 24% chance of precipitation when games start, but it goes way up by 8 o'clock and keeps increasing right through 9 o'clock. So that looks troublesome. And that is Brad Peacock and Vince Velasquez. So a couple of pitchers uh, that you certainly want things to be uh, as risk-free as possible. Uh, Brad Peacock talked about him on the Sunday show this could be his only start this week. I mean, I worry maybe it's his last start in the Astros rotation with Dallas Keuchel possibly coming back uh, this coming weekend for that Tigers series. So I would certainly like Brad Peacock to be able to get tonight's start in the books against the Phillies. No Astros lineup out right now, by the way. Phillies lineup is out. It is without Howie Kendrick. Uh, got Cameron Perkins uh, out in left field. Otherwise, looks like a pretty typical Phillies lineup. So uh, that's all good there. We've actually got several other ones out. Uh, maybe we can take a look at those later on in the show. But uh, frankly, I got a little bombarded with the lineups. No time to really give them a good look. Uh, but uh, let's get to back to some of the 
pitchers, the starting pitchers and their performances on Sunday. Already talked about McCullers and Corey Kluber's great performance. Robbie Ray with another not very good start and been kind of so-so over the last six starts. But we had uh, several pitchers, including Parker Bridwell, who uh, fared quite well without the benefit of being owned by very many people in fantasy. So uh, Bridwell, as I mentioned in the, the last segment with Nathan, he went seven deep against the Red Sox, did only get three strikeouts, but only two runs. So for the most part, kept the long ball at bay uh, there at Angel Stadium. Rafael Montero had a good start despite absolutely not keeping the long ball at bay. And this was really, really an odd start because Montero came into this one. He had gone 32 innings without allowing a home run. And then against the Oakland A's, gave up three of them. But those were the only runs that the A's scored. So despite giving up three homers, Rafael Montero got himself a nice quality start going seven innings deep with just the three runs, seven hits total, only one walk, also only four strikeouts, which was, to me, a much bigger disappointment than the three home runs because uh, Montero had been doing a good job of getting the swing and miss of late, and the A's looked like a fantastic matchup for him. I mean, they, they're one of the more whiff-happy teams in the major leagues, and he only got them to swing and miss a total of five times. But even with the home runs, even with a bevy of contact made, Rafael Montero put together a pretty nice start. His opposite number for the A's, Daniel Gossett, also had a very nice start. And sort of ironic that he's the one who's really been more of the pitch-to-contact guy. And he emerged with six strikeouts over six innings, uh, only allowing two runs on five hits and two walks. But uh, Gossett, the one thing he has really delivered consistently now, he's made eight starts. And those two walks that he handed out against the Mets, those, that's the most he's handed out in any one of eight starts. I, I think it's probably the second or third time over that stretch, but every start has been either two walks, one walk, or no walks. So very, very consistently good control based on what he had done in the minors. That's something that you probably could have expected. But also based on the minor league numbers, it seems like there is a little bit of upside there for Gossett. So I don't know that this six strikeout and six inning performance from him is as fluky as it looks because, like I said, prior to this one, he had really been pretty much of a pitch-to-contact guy. But uh, not bad uh, strikeout or swinging strike numbers in the minors for Gossett. So um, someone to keep an eye on. I'm not making any moves yet for him, but this start was a a little bit of an eye-opener. So was Sal Romano's start against the Marlins. He went six innings also, got seven strikeouts, just one walk and only three hits allowed. Marlins just scored once against Romano over those uh, six innings. So he's had a couple of pretty nice starts uh, so far uh, since being called up. He's made three turns in the Reds rotation. Two of them have been pretty, pretty nice. And uh, it's a little bit surprising, really, because Romano was not really setting the world on fire AAA. But I did like him a lot coming out of spring training. He nearly won a rotation spot then, had a very good spring, and that spring was on top of a very good second half last year at Double A Pensacola. Uh, from July 1st forward, Romano had a 2.32 ERA with seven strikeouts and 11 walks in 81 and one-thirds innings. So it's you know not fantastic strikeout numbers, uh, not a fantastic ratio when you consider it's Double A. And as he climbs the ladder, that's probably going to go down a bit. But it's it's certainly not bad. You figure Romano 
should be at least a decent strikeout pitcher. So this performance against the Marlins, pretty encouraging because it was definitely much better than decent and great control. Uh, so, you know, uh, there's there's something to be said there for Romano. And Matt Boyd, you know, we've seen him up and down quite a bit on the Detroit-Toledo shuttle uh, back in Detroit now. And he had a very nice start at Minnesota, also going six innings, three runs allowed, so minimum for a quality start. But he racked up eight strikeouts against them and only allowed four hits. So um, that's pretty impressive. And got 17 swings and misses against the Twins. Now, I'm kind of like with uh, Gossett and Romano. I'm not really making any moves yet, even in, in deeper leagues. But it is worth noting that while Boyd was down at AAA Toledo, he was getting swinging strikes at a 13.1% rate, which is well above what he's done in the past. And it's not like Boyd has been a bad strikeout pitcher in the minor leagues in the past. So that's that's a pretty nice development there. So if he could put together another start or two like this one against the Twins, then Boyd rightfully should become a much more popular fantasy option. So, uh, you know, just something to... Uh, Keep track of uh, Matt Boyd, Sal Romano, Daniel Gossett, Rafael uh, Montero. You know, these are guys who I think all, you know, just are, are another start or two away from really being worth pursuing, uh, certainly in 14, 15 team leagues. And depending on, on how it goes the next start or two, maybe they start to uh, have some streaming value in some 12 team mixed leagues. So um, on to the hitters. And we had three members of the two. I'm sorry. Four members of the two-homer club on Sunday. Mark Reynolds, he's up to 22 homers now. He went three for five with his two dingers. And uh, that brings him up now not only to 22 uh, on the season, but with the uh, the two that he hit at home against the Pirates. He now has 16 home runs at Coors Field this year, which is pretty impressive considering we're not even quite two-thirds through the season. He's also hitting 319 at home. Not a huge surprise, of course, that he's not only got better power splits at Coors Field than on the road, but a better overall batting average, a much better BABIP at home because Coors Field is better for all kinds of hitting, not just for knocking the ball out of the park. But it's really quite quite the discrepancy. So he's only got six home runs on the road with a 254 batting average. So uh, certainly not a must-start guy. I would say that Reynolds is... He's not must-own, but should be owned in, in the vast majority of leagues. But he is definitely someone to uh, keep a bench spot open for for those tougher venues, uh, to be absolutely sure about that. Rugnet Odebor snapped a massive slump. He went the previous 11 games with not only not hitting a home run, but he was batting just 119, and the only extra base hit that Odor had during that 11-game stretch was a double. So he needed a big game, and he absolutely got it on Sunday, hitting his 18th and 19th home runs at Tampa Bay. Uh, so Odor, I don't worry so much about the power with him, even though he's been virtually without it uh, before yesterday for uh, the better part of two weeks. But uh, I've said it before, I do worry a bit about the batting average. I still think there's going to be enough power there and enough stolen bases uh, that He's he's good by low opportunity. He's not somebody that you should drop. And I've gotten quite a few questions lately about whether or not to drop Odor. And I get it. Uh, when you go 9, 10, 11 games uh, with not hitting really anything at all, 
then um, you know it's easy to be frustrated, especially when he was having kind of a disappointing down year, aside from the home runs, you know, prior to the the, the cold stretch. But uh, I think there's going to be more of this sort of thing to come for uh, Rugnetto Dor. Didi Gregorius hit home runs number 13 and 14 at Seattle. I would be really, really uh, reluctant to rely on Gregorius for homers, though. I really would. The weird thing is, of the 14 he's hit, nine of them have come away from Yankee Stadium. But a lot of them, including the two he hit at Safeco Field, short distance, uh, they're the type of homers that the the ESPN home run tracker calls just enough homers. Uh, So I would be surprised to see a little bit of regression for D.D. Gregorius in the coming weeks. Anyway, got more hitters to talk about. Even a hitter with the two-homer game to talk about still. So stay with us. We shall be right back. Want the most accurate predictions for the upcoming college football season? Then you need to get to GoForTheChew.com Power 5 Preview. Available now at RotoExperts.com. I'm college football analyst Joe Lisi, and my predictions and insights have been featured nationwide parlaying my successful predictions in Las Vegas. I get you ready for the upcoming year with in-depth breakdowns of every Power 5 team, schedule analysis, Heisman favorites, and much more. The GoForTheChew.com Power 5 Preview at RotoExperts.com. Get it now and cash in later. Welcome back to FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm Al Melchior, your host for this hour. Got a few more hitter performances to break down, some lineups to look at. But first, let me tell you that you can now take the world's premier 24-7 fantasy sports radio network with you wherever you go. How could that be? All you got to do is download the Fantasy Sports Radio app right now in the iTunes Store or on Google Play and listen for free anytime or anywhere. You can hear Tony Sincata on the treadmill. Benny Riccardi in your car, or Greg Sussman on the subway, or just relax with the king on the couch, or with Jake Seeley when you're jogging. We'll keep you updated and informed wherever you go. Just get the Fantasy Sports Radio app for free right now in the iTunes Store or on Google Play, and take the experts with you. Uh, So let's take a quick look at some lineups. Like I said, a whole bunch of them just kind of got dumped uh, not not so long ago, and the Blue Jays lineup, a uh, few things of note. You've got Troy Tulowitzki back in the lineup, uh, batting sixth, and of course at shortstop. And you got Jose Bautista leading off and DHing, so no Kendris Morales today for the Blue Jays. As far as I know, that is just a day of rest for him, and I believe it's the same deal for Chris Davis who is not in the Orioles lineup against Blake Snell and the Rays. So you got Mark Trumbo sliding over to first base. You got Wellington Castillo DHing there and uh, Caleb Joseph behind the plate for the Orioles. So they've uh, shifted things around and uh, you got the Reds at Cleveland. So you got room for the whole middle infield bunch there. You got uh, Zach Cozart at short scooter. Jeanette is DHing. And that uh, makes it possible for Jose Peraza to get a start. He's been losing a lot of playing time lately. Unfortunately, uh, the Indians are a really, really tough team to steal against. So I wouldn't count on Peraza, even though he's getting the start, uh, to necessarily get a steal. you got Roberto Perez behind the plate for the Indians. He is a tough one to steal against. So uh, those are just a few of your lineups. Those are, I think, the most impactful changes that you need to know about. 
So, uh, yeah, a few more hitters just to touch base on here. Whip Merrifield with a two-homer game yesterday against the White Sox. Went two for three. He also walked. And uh, if you're wondering why there's a little bit more power there for Merrifield, he is hitting a lot of a lot more fly balls. Last year he had a 30% fly ball rate. This year it's 43%. But the thing, uh, if you're a little bit skeptical to know about that trend, is that this year's fly ball rate is actually much more in line with the sort of thing Merrifield did in the minor leagues. So that uh, kind of mild power-speed combo, the, the speed's really not so mild, actually, but... Uh, you know, he's at double digits now with the homers and the steals. So uh, that, that power may not be going anywhere for Whit Merrifield. The next three are not uh, necessarily surprise performances, but they were good ones. Jose Altuve got four hits, going four for five with a home run and a double and a stolen base against the Orioles on Sunday. Um, and he's he's got 25 infield hits. Only Ender and Ciarte has more in the major league. So that is really helping to keep... Altuve's batting average uh, float at 358. We know he's great for batting average, but he's really outdoing himself this year. And uh, just to cap things off here, uh, yesterday, Billy Hamilton stole a couple bases. He has 43. Also, water is wet. And Brian Dozier with a two-hit game, including his 16th homer and 20th double against the Tigers. He has had a hit, at least one hit, in all nine games since the All-Star break batting 351 with three homers. So really, really picking it up there, Brian Dozier. I've got him back in all my lineups now this week. So thank you for joining me today for uh, for the show and uh, be back tomorrow. Looking forward to being back. So stick around, catch On Target coming up next and uh, have a great week, everybody. Take care. <laughs>